and he talks about where he has removed his hand. And this, this one verse just stuck out so powerfully. He said, I will leave you like a lamb in the wilderness to, f- to um, forage or whatever it was. And that, that image was so clear, this little lamb. Out there. But that's when, that's when, when there was disobedience and Israel had totally walked away and turned their back. But he is saying, he is our father. And now we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. We are not left alone. We are not that lamb in the forest foraging on its own. He has not left us. He has not left us defenseless. Amen. We just need to, to just stay in this moment for a second before we do anything sort of official. Let's just um, let's just let's just listen to the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you that this is Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah! 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 Lord, this is the day, Lord, in the New Testament that began the Book of Acts. Lord, fifty days after Passover, this is the day, Feast of Weeks. Feast of harvest, God. And so, God, we're just, we're just coming with expectant hearts this morning. We're coming with expectant hearts. Lord, you love anniversaries. That's your calendar. And so, God, we're just coming with grateful hearts, thankful hearts this morning. Lord, thank you for hearts that love to worship. Thank you for the saints that are gathered in your name. Lord, I ran to the dollar store this morning, and there was crowds of people in the dollar store, and I'm like, Come to church. You need to come to church. Jesus, call people in. Call people by your spirit. Lord, let your spirit hover, Lord. The spirit of God fell in Jerusalem on the disciples as they were gathered, praying in unity in your name. And the spirit came. He said, wait, wait until the power comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all the uttermost parts of the world. And so, God, we, are, we want to walk with you in that unity, in that power, in that grace that turns nations upside down, that changes the tide, that is the bridge, that ladder from heaven to earth that says there is a God and he's active and he's living and he wants to come into your life and transform you and bring you into his plan, his kingdom, his righteousness, his power, his inheritance. His, his kingdom. And so, Lord, we just uh, we submit ourselves to that this morning. Lord, where there are chains, God, we just, in our, we just uh, think of the places where we know that there are chains locking people up, Lord, believers that are locked up, Lord, and we just, Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we ask for release, 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 Lord, and that there would be... Um, a steadfastness in an arising of the inner man to stand in that newness of life, Lord, to be strong in the might of the Lord and in his power, Lord, not just to be a, a, a weak person wearing some heavy armor, like, but, Lord, that, that we would have people who arise in their inner man and are strengthened in the might of the Lord and the power of the Lord. We, God, we break chains Lord, we, we just think of the people that we love that need to be set free. And God, we we're, we're thank you that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. Lord, to, to break chains, to set free, you came to destroy the works of the evil one. And so, Lord, empower us, your church. We are your hands and feet. Lord, let us be connected to the head so we can walk in those good works that you have for us, that you planned before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. 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 
as I was praying this morning, the Lord put upon my heart um, recently uh, through a man of God, the, na- the word shalom, shalom means perfect peace. And right now, we have an opportunity to experience the perfect peace of God by the Holy Spirit. And as I was praying this morning, I said, God, let everyone who comes in just experience the perfect peace. He's, he's honorable. He's so loving. And he so cares. Come to the front, Mark. So I'm meditating and praying on several incidents that went by my week. Some were good. Some were really good. In fact, Two of them were over the top. However, there was a few incidents that were not good. They were actually very bad. And no sooner than God gave me the victory for those things, it was like the thing cropped up again. And there it was, the bad things. And as I was sitting there today, I felt, well, Lord, I don't feel like I'm in a position to to say anything because of this struggle. However, the song, The Blood of Jesus, was mentioned. And I started to think about the blood of Jesus, and it came to me that I was looking at my flaws, and I was not looking at his perfection, what Jesus did for us. 
So as I was sitting there, I felt God saying, face things as they really, really are. We don't do that sometimes because we have not faith to deal with it. We, we really don't. We don't think that God would do something that good for me. We think that way. We do. And so the problem with that thinking is we come to church. We sing beautiful songs. We feel the presence of God. And then because we haven't sanctified the Lord God in our heart by facing things the way they really are, we don't have faith to step forward and say, God, I'm going to take that. That's mine. That belongs, that actually belongs to me. Jesus was so bold to say, before his crucifixion, some of the last words he said to his disciples were over the top. And I've been meditating in those verses for months. And let me tell you, faith has gripped me in a way that I never dreamed. Jesus said, in that day, he's praying now for his men and the women. He is praying. In that day, what day is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the day we got in the day where the comforter would come and he would leave. That was about to happen. And he said, in that day, I will not pray to the Father for you. 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 Now here's your identity complex. You. A son of God. A daughter of the Lord. The Holy Spirit in you. He said, you will pray to the Father in my name. The Father will accept it. Now we're facing it as it really is. We're dealing with our doubt. Doubt just hit you in the face. The Father will accept your prayer because that is how he is glorified. That is how he brings fruit. That whatsoever you ask in his name, he would do it because it glorifies the Lord. That is what he said. There is where we have doubt. He does it for his glory, but you get the benefit. So we need to face things the way they really are. Step up to the plate and say, you know, I just don't have faith for that. Okay, there's a step forward. Let's get a hold of that. We're going to help you with your faith today. And you're going to walk away and you're going to know God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. So Jesus, I know, I know, I felt it today, what you are trying to bring across to your kids. Move. God is moving. God doesn't have a problem moving. Burden of movement is not on the Lord. It is on you. Burden of change is not on the Lord. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. That you may have great confidence, because he don't change. Burden of change is always on us. There's probably a dozen people here today, and this is your situation. I don't think God is going to do this. I really don't, deep down. You need to come to grips with that. Let it come right up to the surface. And let's get a grip on it, and we can pray 
and God will deposit it in you. See, not confessing our, not just our sins, it says our faults, our flaws, keeps us in bondage. Jesus has given us all a measure of faith, but it's what we do with that measure. If we're not faithful with the little bit he's given us, we don't get more. And it also says, Paul says, he is the author and finisher of your faith. Finisher. And he also says, it is God who works in you, in you, in you today. God is working to establish his, the in-between, the author and the finish. He is working in you the thing that you need to grow. Grow You don't have an arm? Grow an arm. Grow it. You don't have a leg? Grow a leg. A leg of faith. Whatever it is you don't have, we are all without excuse. God has made a way to pass through the gate of faith. And it comes with humility. I humble myself. I need faith. I don't have it, but I want it, Lord. And like the man who had the, the, the child who had the seizure and the disciples couldn't cast it out and they didn't know why. And Jesus was a little bit flustered because he just gave them command and he just gave them power and authority to cast out devils and they couldn't deliver this young man. And he said, this kind comes, comes out by only by prayer and fasting. Well, then maybe there's an answer you, you need. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Go pray and fast a little bit. He'll change your life. So whatever it is today, there is a gateway for you to pass through. God will increase your faith so you can carry on. But you must sanctify God in your heart by admitting what I just said, what I just explained. He will make a way. He is the author. He is also the builder. He, remember the other guy needed faith? And he said, Lord, I doubt. Increase my faith. He said, increase it. He knew he had lack. And what did the Lord do? He increased it. And he got his need met. Hallelujah. Okay, that's all I got to say. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Gordon, you're on your way up. Yeah, um, I feel like the Lord wants me to read some of 2 Corinthians 3. So, um, Paul is referring, you remember in the Old Testament, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments, and came back, and his face was glowing. And he had to put a veil over his face, because otherwise it would freak everybody out, so... So this is starting verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 3. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. He's talking about the Jews. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Part of that is the Holy Spirit gives you understanding of the scriptures. But anyway, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Thank you. When quiet, steady men like my husband weep over the word of God and what God is doing, you know there is something going on. This morning I came in um, 
for those who are new, I'm Pastor Sue. I don't usually call myself Pastor Sue, but I thought I better today because Pastor Bruce and Janice are gone camping. They're away, and we bless them for a refreshing time and uh, and uh, just that they would have a, a, a wonderful, restorative time away. Lolo, I'll get you to put up uh, Philippians 1 in the NIV for me while I'm talking here, please. Too many papers. I think it's, a, it's really common for prophetic voices to say things like we're coming into a new season and, you know, God's always doing a new thing. That is true, and God loves new, and he makes us new. He's, the kingdom is all about transformation, and we're going to talk about that a little bit um, today, too. He's always doing a new thing. When I was cleaning up at the doorway, and there was like this carpet that was stained with salt stains from the winter, and the salt bucket and the snow shovel were there, and I was like, it's almost June. I could probably put that snow shovel away in the salt, right? We're probably going to not need it. And I just felt like, well, in, my kids will say I can make anything prophetic, right? But I'm like, it feels like there's something new, right? We can't use what we used in the old season in the new season. Because what fit in the time past is not going to fit in what God is doing now. A snow shovel was effective in December and January. It is absolutely useless now. If we carry in the things that have worked for us in the past in the spirit, because they worked and we're holding on to them and we're holding on to the old and the familiar, we will not embrace, we will not be able to have ears to hear what God is doing now. So, Lord, we just want to position our hearts, and I don't want to assume for anybody else, so I'm going to say I want to position my heart, and you make it a you prayer if you're in accordance with that. But your will is your business, and your response is to God. This moment we just had in the quiet, that's you and God. You don't come to church for the preacher to bring you something. You come to church to corporately worship him and sit at his feet, and he feeds you from his hand, just like he does individually. He does it in a way corporately. And so, Father, we want to we wanna say yes to this time that you've chosen for us to live in. And, Lord, that we repent of being lethargic. We repent of compromise. We repent of just not caring. We repent of, of being in the world and being of the world sometimes because we're just all so busy and, and taken with the things that, that seem important for just the maintenance of life. God, I repent. I repent. I repent. Lord, and I say, God, it is, it is a time when you're inviting us, strongly urging us to come and partner with you in the things that you're doing because you love people. But God, you love righteousness and truth. And Lord, you want people to know who you are and that Christ has paid the price. The only way we can come to you, Father, is through Jesus because of his righteousness. And so, Lord, I ask for a heart to hear Lord, and, and just this morning, it's, it's, it's not comfortable to be quiet for that long in a crowd. It's just weird. It is. But, Lord, if that's the least little thing that you can use to teach us, that it's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes, and that sometimes we need to be uncomfortable because new feels uncomfortable at the beginning. And so, Lord, teach us your ways. Help us to walk in your spirit and not to come under institutionalization and religion but to be truly free and maybe we've never even experienced that maybe maybe this is the new thing Lord is to become a people who are a, a kingdom of priests that follow you in a way that um, we lay down our lives for our friends so the world will know that you're alive yeah Amen. Amen. So this um, has already turned out to be a fairly unusual morning, in the best sense of the word. Why do the same thing twice when you can do it a different way, right? 
God likes to do new. Um, it's kind of like um, Sean this week. It's like the Lord um, was speaking to me different things all week, but I was like, but that's not it, and that's not it. And I, as usual, I have about six different messages that are not it. And I'm like, oh, God, what are you, what are you going to say? And uh, Henry, you have something to say? Oh, can we can we do it after the? Okay, because I just feel like we need to get to the scripture, because uh, God has has important stuff to say, and uh, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll see where we go from there. There's a different kind of army rising up. Um, Wednesday night, one week um, at Sean and Teresa's house. Sean was playing this song, There's an Army Rising Up, and the, the next, that was the verse we hadn't sung yet, but sort of wasn't, I don't think it was in anybody's conscious mind that the next verse was, there's an army rising up, and then, and then uh, the Holy Spirit just like came on Val, and she was zooming around just praying for people in the Spirit, it was a, it was a powerful time, and then uh, we were praying for Teresa, and we were talking about Gideon and this tiny little army that wins a battle with dun dun da, not jets, not tanks, torches and jars, and and that the army is every time God wins a battle, He does it in such a way that it's obvious it's not the people. It's obvious that it had to be God. I mean, look at David. Altals Goliath, nine something. Like, just picture that. Nine something. Like, take Sean and then put somebody else on his shoulders, right? And, and, and there he is, and he's the champion, and God says, you aren't going to fight in traditional armor. You're going to fight with what you know, what I've trained you in. A stone, one stone, takes down the giant. Moses has a shepherd's staff. And God partnering with Moses, Moses holds out the staff and a sea is parted. Joshua and the guys obey. It's amazing how much, how clearly they obeyed. That's kind of key. March around the walls of a city whose walls are like eight feet or 12 feet thick. I can't remember. March. Don't make a sound. Just march. Absolutely freaking the people out inside, right? Seven days. March. Just march around. And on the last day, blow your horns and shout for the Lord, and the walls come crumbling down. I love God's strategy. I love God's strategy. Jehoshaphat, send the singers out first in front of the army into the fray with the enemy who's well-equipped. And he says, and believe the prophets and you will succeed. What? Those are not strategies, not earthly strategies. We are in a time when God has heavenly strategies for us because the enemy's pretty in our face, isn't he? And it would be really easy to respond in kind in some of these issues and go, okay, you want to fight? I'll fight you. Come on, bring it on. And I think God is saying, I'm raising up an army who hears me and who has such a relationship with me that I'm going to unravel the enemy. Like the palace, the temple guards, the religious leaders of Jesus' time send the guards to arrest Jesus. And the guards come back and they go, and and they're like, where's Jesus? And he said, well, we've never heard anyone talk like the guy, so we didn't arrest him. That's Jesus. Jesus has a higher way of doing things. And we're going to talk more about this, but I, I just, I think we need to shift mindsets. We are warriors, but we wrestle not with flesh and blood. We wrestle with powers and principalities and evil rulers in high places. And we wrestle mostly on our knees. And this time should be tuning up everybody's prayer life. And that's one of the things God is calling us to. I want to read <clears throat> in Ephesians, or sorry, Philippians. What am I doing there? <clears throat> is that something I can do or is that something? 
Okay, so don't go lower than this. All right, don't bend over. If I bend over, hold the mic in the air like the torch. Okay, got it. See, it's new. <clears throat> so uh, we're going we're gonna to read uh, Philippians 1 in the NIV. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Servants means like waiters, by the way. <laughs> Ministers of the gospel are like waiters. They serve. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. By the way, if you're in Christ, you're a saint. You don't get to be canonized. You get to be sanctified, and you're a saint. Grace and peace. It's Paul's signature opening. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God Every time I remember you, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with, oh, heaviness, concern, weight, burden. I pray with great responsibility. I pray with uh, just the weight of the world on my shoulders. That's not what it says. Paul says, I pray with joy. I pray with joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership. <clears throat> Let some of these words land in your spirit. Because of your partnership in the gospel, and he's talking about financial partnership too here, from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the second coming. The day of Christ Jesus is the second coming. Paul prays with joy. I just want um, to think about this idea of the army. I was in the military for a short time, which is probably why two of my sons ended up in the military. And I'm just going to say this, thinking that they're not still in there now. But um, I think Nathaniel um, in regular force, and then when he did a reconnaissance course, and it was just before his eldest brother's wedding, he doesn't remember being there, by the way, because he hadn't slept for so long. He's, they call it the recce course, reconnaissance, and it's a brutal course. And he uh, was getting out of a boat, and a guy kneed him in the head. He had a helmet on, and he got kneed in the side of the head beside his helmet and went like a rag doll because it was his fifth concussion. And the guys, knowing they were almost done the course, kept Nathaniel propped up every time an officer would come by, literally propped him up to stand because the guy should have been in a hospital. It was a really dumb thing to do, <laughs> but they're young guys. And they were so committed to, for him to finish that course. Now, I could have throttled those boys because my son's life was actually in danger, but they were committed to Nathaniel. They loved Nathaniel. They loved Nathaniel. And they're like, dude, you're top of the course. We don't want you to miss out. We want you to finish. You've put this much in. And two of those guys are in Nathaniel's wedding party in less than a month. Because they would die for one another. They literally laid their lives on the line. And you've heard that in guys who have served in battle, in, in wars. Here's the thing. We're in a war. Every day, every moment of every day, but sometimes we just sort of forget. And when we don't remember that we have a common enemy, some of this st stuff goes on. Instead of shooting out to the enemy, bah, 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 we start going beep, 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 towards one another. And that's really a great strategy of the enemy, isn't it? Because then we won't bring the kingdom, and win the battle against the one. I love that Paul is so thankful for the saints. Every church he writes to, pretty much, maybe not Philippians as much, every church he writes to has an issue. Some of them have pretty major issues, Corinthians. Pretty major issues, right? Guy's sleeping with his dad's wife. There's stuff going on. And every one of them, Paul says, I thank God, I pray for you continually, that Christ might be formed in you, that you will rise to your full stature, and that I can present you complete in Christ, and that the fullness of God will come in you and through you. 
to the glory of God. This is the goal. I'm challenged by Paul to be more thankful. My mom's slogan was, slogan was, have an attitude of gratitude. It should be on her tombstone. Have an attitude of gratitude. And that, it marked her life. It marked everybody around her. But when push comes to shove, when we've got people who are not like us, which, frankly, no one is actually really like us. Hallelujah. Who could take two? Who, the world could not take two of any of us, right? God knows what he's doing. So no one is actually really like us. Uh, like, look at spouses, right? We're just so different. Opposites attract. That's a lot of us could say hallelujah to that one. And it's for a purpose. And it's the same in the body. If everyone responded the same way to various issues or whatever it is, to the Holy Spirit, it would be very boring and not a lot would get done. We need the, the whole expression of the, to show the manifold wisdom of God. To whom? Ephesians. To the heavenly realm. To the heavenly realm. The church is the witness of what God is doing in his mercy and grace and wisdom and love and power through the people of God. He could have eliminated the devil right at the beginning, and he didn't. He left him as our sparring partner so that we would be fit for eternity. We're in a war, and we don't want to shoot. There shouldn't be friendly fire. We don't, we're not shooting each other. Amen? You're really quiet on that one. It's okay to interact. We don't want to shoot each other, Amen? Okay, good. Whoa, you had me worried there. I was like, uh-oh, shots fired. Woo-hoo, coming across the bow. Duck. The armor of God is because we're in a battle with an enemy. I'll tell you another story. When uh, we were in Africa, and the boys were probably, I don't know, 10, 8, and 5, and we had this vehicle, and we were at the bottom of the Sahara Desert, and normally it was a 12-hour drive back to the capital. And you didn't usually see anybody and there were, there's, no, it, there's no anything. There's nothing. There's just some little bitty villages every now and then. There's no gas. There's no anything, okay? You're in the desert. <clears throat> and our oil pan gasket went. Not convenient. So, of course, you pray. It's really, really cool how when you have nothing, God is everything. When we, you know, we were always like coming back to North America, we're like, we have everything and we're way less dependent on God. It's not a good situation. So we got nothing. So we're like, okay. So eventually we get to this town that had, town, that had a, a, a work crew and the head of the crew was one of the 40 children of our chief. And we're like, this man, if anyone has answers, this man will have answers. So they've got heavy machinery. So one of his mechanics, and, and I'm, I'm doing this because the qualifications in this nation were, were quite low. It's very, very much a developing nation, one of the poorest in the world. And so this guy, and this is all in French, he's saying to us, oh, he says, I can, I can make you an oil pan gasket. So it's like a, a rubber ring, right? He's sewing it together, okay? This is, this is the, the level of technology, so he goes, this will get you all the way to Canada. And I'm like, cool, only by the Holy Spirit, you know, but okay. Puts this thing on. We've still got hours to go. We have some water. It's very hot by then. And we, uh, we look up, and all of a sudden I see this little Jeep with a big antenna just like bloop, off into the sort of sagebrushy stuff. And I'm like, what was that? And it's the French Foreign Legion. And if this is being recorded, I hope the French Foreign Legion doesn't hear it because they don't like to be seen. What's that? Oh, yeah, so our oil pan gasket didn't get us to Canada. It lasted about an hour. And uh, so there we are. We're in the desert, and we got these three little boys. And 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 then the Lord said to me, throw up the hood of the, the truck and get out of the car so they know you're not rebels because there was a lot of rebels in that area. And so like, they, they was, went off the road. And again, the road, air quotes. And uh, so it, it turned, so eventually this whole convoy of French Foreign Legion whom you don't see, they're invisible, they start to come up to us and they see all the children and they're like, okay, they're probably not rebels and they're white, right? <clears throat> and they come up and 
they are like, what's going on, guys? And we were like, well, we have our oil pan gasket is shot. We just got it repaired. But uh, obviously, we're not going to make it into the city. And they're like, okay, well, we will. They, they didn't have a part for us, which would have been very miraculous. But they said, we will radio in and to your office and have your people come in a new truck and pick you up. Well, that sounded pretty good. In the meantime, there's a guy, a really tall, um, young, blonde guy. And our kids were speaking English amongst themselves. And he goes over to the boys and he says, where are you guys from? And this is a trick question for missionary kids. Their dad's from Oregon. Their mom's from Ontario. We met in Texas. We lived in Cameroon and Chad and a lot of places. And they're like, um, <laughs> trick question. So finally, I said, Canada. And he's like, Canada? Where? And I'm like, Ontario. He goes, oh, I'm from BC. I said, went to school in BC. And he goes, I'm from, yeah. I said, where in BC? He goes, Fort Langley. I'm like, no way, you're from Fort Langley? And, and, I, and he says, do you know Jim's Pizzeria? And I'm like, dude, you're my brother, right? Like in the middle of nowhere, I know I meet a guy who's been to Jim P- Jim's Pizzeria in Fort Langley. What's the point? The farther you are from home, the less it matters where someone is from if they have the same citizenship. When you are traveling in Mexico or Florida or Hawaii or wherever you roam off to, California, and you meet someone from the same nation, you're like, hey, are you from Canada? No way. Hey, how are you doing? And it's like, and then people who are like, oh, I know someone in Canada, as if we're going to know them, right? When you are a citizen of another nation, it's enough that that person is from your nation for them to be your brother. You're from heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. And we are foreigners and aliens in this land. And we're ambassadors of heaven to earth. And every time you see someone in the faith, and that's why Paul says, you guys are not perfect. Guess what? That's all God has to work with is imperfect people. But I thank God for you. Here's an exercise. Just imagine, picture in your head, everyone in this room, and tonight, just go back and through your mind. And Mary does this, right? Mary Dodding does this. Brenda's mom. She just pictures everybody in the congregation, and she goes through and she prays for everybody. And maybe you do that too. But what if we went and we thanked God for every person? Do you know what? You cannot be angry at someone that you're thanking God for. You cannot be irritated with someone that you're thanking God for. You, you can't. God will soften your heart. God will bond your heart. Prayer does that because we'll have the heart of the Father. My son is marrying Michelle Nurse's daughter. And I went to her house one time, and I, I hadn't met Chelsea, and I saw Chelsea. Chelsea's such a gorgeous, lovely lady. And I saw her picture, and I looked at it, and I, in my head I thought, Nathaniel would really like this girl. But he wasn't walking with the Lord at the time, so I'm like, nah, not going to say a word. And I started to pray for Chelsea and just about, you know, some of the things she was facing. And God knit my heart together with her. And now she's going to be my daughter-in-law. And, you know, it just praying for people joins us. There's a bond in the spirit. Humble your heart. Humble your heart and, and be, be, have the oneness, the oneness that says, I care enough about you to talk about the hard stuff. I care enough about you to not let you walk into sin. I care enough about you to, to say, let's talk about this. Let's work on this to speak truth in love because we haven't really had that. The body hasn't been secure enough in their identity to do that. And so we're doing that. That's what God is doing. He's growing us up. There's the maturity part, right? And that will be okay. Because we're nowhere for each other, not against each other. Let's keep going with <clears throat> Philippians here. Paul says, excuse me. Got my mic up. <clears throat> it's right for me, verse 7. 
Philippians 1.7. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, <laughs> for whether I'm in chains, which he was, or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever experienced that? To know the affection of Jesus Christ for someone? Yeah. You have. You have. It's like, yeah, you just love that brother or sister, right? People don't get the David and Jonathan thing, right? There's, there's, there's assumptions being imposed on that male relationship. We had, Gord, Gord had the uncomfortable experience of learning to walk hand in hand with other guys where we lived in Africa. And it, it's, not a, it's not a gay relationship, it's, it's camaraderie. And, and God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. There's an affection that comes from my, the spirit of Christ in me witnessing with the spirit of Christ in you and says, hey, I love you. We're not the same, but I love you. And this is my prayer, Paul says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern, super important word right now, that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, second coming, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There's a lot in there. I always want to take note of Paul's prayers because we don't tend to pray this way for one another. He says that your love may abound. Who would associate knowledge and depth of insight with love? Probably not. But if you think about it, if I think about this young couple that's about to get married, the more they know one another, the more they love each other. The more insight they have into each other's strengths and weaknesses, the more they're able to walk together in knowledge and love each other accordingly. And that's the same with us walking with the, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that we learn through knowledge that he's faithful, that his plan is best. We had that word best in here. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of hard work. Filled with the fruit of self-effort. Filled with the fruit of doing what I want. No. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. This is a time when God's holiness and righteousness is coming to the forefront. And this is a time where, you know, we've, we've had the Father Heart of God movement. We've had these things where it's been great to soak in the presence of God. But I think he's turning up the temperature because the needs in the world are so great that he's saying, holiness, church, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's not me talking. That's him talking. And so he's calling us to this place of being close to his heart. Why is righteousness such a big deal? I heard this statement this week. Let me say it, and then we'll, I'll talk about it. Somebody I heard say, God loves righteousness more than he loves people. Now some of you are going, I'm not sure about that. What's going on? I felt like a bucket of cold water just got thrown on me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God said, I chose to give everyone a free will so they could love me and they would never have the righteousness of their own to get back to me. And so I gave my son 
because he was the only one that was righteous enough to reconcile things. And if you will accept that free gift, all you have to do is believe, you will be right with me and you will be reconciled with me eternally. That's love. But there's actually going to, God loves the world, but there actually will be people God loves that are not going to be in his eternal kingdom in heaven, the new earth, because they didn't accept the free gift of righteousness. Righteousness, the cross is about love, but the cross is also about righteousness. He was the only one whose death and resurrection can get us there. This is a mistake the world is making right now in saying, yes, God does love everybody, but if we leave everybody where they are, they will go to hell. They need to know that they need to believe in the power of Christ's life and death and resurrection to come through the narrow gate to have that righteousness, which is the only way to get to the Father. We need transformation. So love says, I love you so much. I love you too much to let you stay in misery. I love you too much to let you be a slave to sin. You instead will be a slave to righteousness. Okay? So I believe we're going to hear this word righteousness a whole lot more in this time because it's a major concern of the Father because it cost him. It cost him. Is that Sunday school? They're having fun. Yeah, wow. They're having fun. Right on. Church should be fun sometimes. All right. <laughs> I have something for you, Jenny. Just be patient. All right. So Paul says, I want you to know, brethren, that what happened to me has really served, he's in prison, to advance the gospel, verse 12. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of the Lord more courageously and fearlessly. This is the time we're coming into as well. I want you to note that Paul doesn't pray to get out of jail. He doesn't say, find me a get-out-of-jail-free card. He says, I pray for an open door for the word. I pray for an open door for opportunity. I pray for an open door for faith. He actually really never addresses circumstances, which is interesting because of the way we pray tends to be mostly circumstantial. God, it was in the song. God, I pray that God will change your circumstance. God is more interested in changing your heart and your perspective than your circumstance. Oh, she went and said it. I mean, none of us are exempt from that, right? The place not of my choosing. I get to be in those places to shape who I am, to be conformed to the image of Christ, who did the thing he didn't want to do at the end, right? But he did it out of love for the saints. And so this is what we're called to. We're called to a faith that is living and active and powerful like the word of God. So Paul's in chains. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have become encouraged to speak the word of God courageously and fearlessly. It's true that some preach out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? you got to love this guy. The important thing, the important thing, the important thing, oh, sorry, I got stuck on that. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I ba, 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 rejoice. Paul says there's people out there that aren't even on in the right stream. <laughs> They're not doing it the way we would do it, but it's the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so we have to, again, just take this high view, this eagle's view to say, there's stuff out there that isn't, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about false motives. I'm not talking about heresy or false teaching. Okay, there's a huge difference. 
false motives, but they're preaching the gospel, okay? And Paul says that's what's important. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers, let's say that again, through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Romans 8, 28, right? All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Paul wrote that. Paul says, I'm in prison. Actually, it's, it's absolutely God's plan. You know, when the prophet comes to him, Agabus comes to him and says, takes his belt and says, this is what's going to happen to the guy who owns this belt. And Paul's like, I know. Just because it's bad doesn't mean I should not go there. Because God has a plan. And if we trust him, he will see it through for his glory. You know, I have a little problem with bringing people to Christ and saying, God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan. And if you humble yourself and come in through the narrow door, you get to be part of it. That's, that, it's God-centered. It's not, it's not uh, us-centered. And we need to, that's a course correction that's coming and is in the midst I eagerly expect and hope, and that's a certainty hope, that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. You know, we have this word, encourage. We're gonna, it's, it's, it's time when the church is going to have to have courage again. Believers were courageous people in the first century. And it's going to be time when be, people will need courage to stand and to, to confirm and defend the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's our only hope, and it's a sure hope. I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I don't know. Like, you know, I hit, I hit a big birthday last month, and I was like, oh, God, I just want to have fruitful labor. Like, you know, as you get older, you just kind of go, uh, let's make this count. Right? Let's make this count. Absolutely. How much time? We don't know how much time we have. Let's make this count. And Paul says, if I'm alive, let me be alive unto fruitful labor. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, absolutely, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress, growth, maturity, and joy. Joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm. Ephesians 6, put it all, all the armor on and stand firm. In one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. We're coming into that time. You don't need to be frightened. And that we stand united and we hold the gospel true. We defend and confirm the gospel. This is a sign to them they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle, you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. We're going to end there. The next part starts with, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. But I think that the time the apostle was writing in, obviously writing from jail, um, being a believer was a big commitment. And I think God is calling us to, you know, examine our hearts. 
set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above, and live full on for the kingdom. Now, Jenny, I promised you I would do something fun in church, right? So hold on. Uh Oh, I better put this up here. Almost put my mic too low. That would have been serious. Uh Uh-oh, Jenny's all expectant now. All right, what have I got here? We got Karen from California. She should know what this is. Beach balls. Not beach boys, beach balls. So beach ball. What do you do with a beach ball? Okay. So this one's, whoops. I've been bouncing it. I've been bouncing. My volleyball, my basketball. All right, we throw it. Marcus, here you go. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right, you can throw that one around. Throw it, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, pass it around, go ahead. All right, oh, yeah, oh, good one, Ken. Good one, Ken, okay. Keep it going. Glenn, you want to run up and keep that one going? Okay, uh, what's going on here? Okay, watch this bounce. Go, Karen. Look at her go. Okay, did you see me trying to bounce this? There's something missing here. What's missing? Air. So in your life, this is... This is Pentecost. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, it would be good if this was videotaped. Yeah, that was good. Okay, Glenn, thanks. Okay, whoa, Marcus, okay. We'll, le- we'll leave it there for now. That's great. So, so this ball is missing air. This ball is missing air, and it really is not able to fulfill its purpose because it's, it's, it's not fully inflated. Not for the purpose of this illustration. <laughs> but if you would like to, you actually have to have this tiny little tube. So if this was you, if, you're, if you were a beach ball in the kingdom, what is the air in your balloon, in your ball? Spirit of God, and specifically in light of what we just read with the Apostle Paul. Michelle, you know the answer to this one. Joy. Joy. And this is not like just a biblical observation. Science is always catching up with the Bible, I like to say, right? So psychologists who could have used the word happiness because they weren't, they're they're secular psychologists. Psychologists said, you are programmed to run on joy. Is that not a revelation? You are programmed to run on joy. The best motivator in teaching, like those kids out in the hall, hallelujah. Because if they're having fun, they're learning. You are programmed to run on joy. If you don't have joy, you're kind of lame. You're dead in the water. And so Christians should have bounce. And the bounce in your ball is joy. Now, you can say, well, you don't know what my life is like. You don't know what I'm going through. But read Paul. Paul is writing from jail. Paul has suffered. Paul has been deprived. Read the list of what Paul's been through. I don't think any of us quite have a list that compares. And he says, I'm so full of joy because my joy is in Christ. And I'm thankful for you. And I know God's going to finish the work that he's begun in you. And I'm just going to like labor and pour it out like a drink offering until he calls me home. Because this is what kingdom looks like. And it's so worth it. Because it's eternity. It's Pentecost Sunday. And I'm just going to pray. And, it, you know, just you and God just, just. Just say, God, fill me fresh. We all need fresh, fresh filling, fresh wind. Every time in Acts it says, and the disciples gathered, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. If I, if I blow that ball up at the end of the summer, it ain't going to look like that by the end of the summer, right? I have to keep refilling it to keep it full. It leaks, and we leak. We should be leaking all over everybody we come in contact with. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself I pray for every true believer, Lord, um, that 
that in this day, we would sense, we would know that your Holy Spirit is filling us afresh, refreshing us, renewing us, restoring us, healing us, giving us heaven's perspective on life because it's good, because you are good. Even when life is not good, you are good. And we trust you that you're going to bring it around because you will bring, do the best for us. The best for Jesus looked like a pretty terrible time being tortured and dying on a cross, but he did it for us because he believed we were worth it. And so, Father, we just we want to be um, people who walk in your ways and in your glory and baptize us with joy, Lord. It's your joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So when we are full of you, we will be characterized by your joy. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.